0: very long this morning, guys. I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to talk to them, but everybody can listen. Feel free. We are wrapping up our series today on the life of Jacob. And I've taken inspiration for this entire series from Craig Barnes' book, Hustling God, which I recommend highly. And today I want to kind of play off one of the most famous passages of Scripture, one we all know and quote regularly. It's in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now, my graduation was a long time ago, and there's a lot that I don't remember. But one thing I do remember is old people telling me how I should feel. And I also remember old people telling me how I should feel about the way I feel. So this morning, I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. Guys, nobody remembers their commencement uh, speech. In fact, this is the 29th time I've stood in front of graduates at Covenant Life Assembly to give a graduation address, and their 28 predecessors can't remember anything I said. So to that end, I've adopted a rule for the last several years, and rather than give you a three-point sermon or a 10-point dissertation, I'm going to give you one thing. I hope I can give you a handle, one life lesson that you can take with you that would help you, maybe have some kind of chance of helping you, and here's yours for 2023. You can't control what you can't control. Now, we're talking about dreams and the life of Jacob, and, and how am I going to achieve my dream? How do I go after what I need to go after. Let me just remind you, you can't control what you can't control. Now, ahead of you is the unknown. And you may have it all figured out and you may have a grand strategy for how you're going to accomplish what you have planned in life. And we know that something is going to happen, but that's all we know. We don't know at this point what's going to happen. And as your pastor who loves you very much and only wants the best for you What I want to impress on you is this truth. You can't control what you can't control. Now, in our conversation today, what we're going to do is contrast the life of Jacob with the life of his 11th son, whose name was Joseph. Jacob was third in line for the Abrahamic covenant. Joseph was fourth. And and Joseph is the one in whom God chose to entrust covenant going down the line. Now, just as a refresher to remind you, God chose Abraham to be his friend. And we don't know why. There was nothing that Abraham had that recommended him to God. There's nothing special about Abraham, but God called him and Abraham obeyed. And because Abraham obeyed, God made a promise. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation Now, Abraham's son, Isaac, was also the promised one. And then Isaac had two twin boys, Esau and Jacob. That's where our series began. And the crazy thing about that is everybody would have chosen Esau to be the covenant carrier. Nobody would have chosen Jacob. He was a scoundrel. His name means striver. But God chose Jacob rather than Esau. What does that tell us about God? Jacob had a dream at Bethel, and that's a huge part of his story. He saw a ladder going from earth to heaven, and God was on top of the ladder and spoke to Jacob and reaffirmed the covenant promise. Joseph also had a dream, and everybody doubted the legitimacy of Joseph's dream except Joseph, and therein lies the lesson for us. You can't control what you can't control. So let's look at this this contrast again. Jacob was all initiative. In the entire story of Joseph's life, not one single act of initiative. Jacob desperately wanted his brother's blessing. Joseph only wanted what God had for him so he could bless others. Joseph endured a string of of crippling injustices. He was sold into slavery in Potiphar's house in Egypt, a foreign language where he didn't speak the language at all. He was falsely accused of sexual offense by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown in prison and even in prison. He was elevated to a place of leadership, made friends there who were released and they forgot him. So Jacob was even forgotten and abandoned in prison. And if you know the story, he was brought out of prison and elevated to the highest place in Pharaoh's court next to Pharaoh himself. But even as prime minister, Joseph was shunned by other Egyptians who thought it was abomination to eat with Hebrews. And then when his brothers came, the brothers who had sold him into slavery came to buy grain from Joseph because they were starving. They didn't recognize him. And even when they tried to deceive him, after their father died, Joseph said, Genesis fifty twenty, you intended to harm me, God intended it for good. Now it's hard for me to imagine how Joseph could look past all those injustices and hold on to the dream that God has given him. And the reason it's so hard for me to understand because Joseph was not a striver like his father. He wasn't a schemer. In fact, Joseph refused to put his hands on anything God was doing. Everything Joseph encountered in life, good and bad, he encountered with open hands. Now, this is the key. Listen to me. Faith is not demonstrated by what we accomplish. And let me just say that there's been a a heresy over the last several years from the prosperity of the gospel that says if if you have the right kind of faith in God then you'll be rich or you'll have what you want. Faith is not demonstrated by what we accomplish. Faith is demonstrated by how we respond to our circumstances. So when okay, when God no. <laughs> When Pharaoh met Joseph, now remember, listen. Joseph was a convicted sex offender and he was a Hebrew in Pharaoh's jail. And when Pharaoh brought him up, Pharaoh said, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And the reason this is so important, graduates, is because Joseph had no reputation. He had no resume. He had no degrees. He had no accomplishments and awards like the ones I read about you today. But a pagan king recognized something special in Joseph, and it was the anointing of the Holy God. And you cannot achieve that. You cannot earn that. You can only receive that. You can't control what you can't control. All right. The second point of difference that I want to show you is deceit versus honor. If you take on the burden of making your own dream come true, you're eventually going to find it necessary to bend the truth. And you know what I'm talking about because at your workplace and at your school, you know that guy that always flatters the professors and the higher-ups, right? He's got an agenda, and everybody knows. He's the guy that always cut corners on assignments. She's the one who takes credit for the work the team does. He's the one that makes promises that he knows he's not going to keep. And this is literally Jacob's story. He stole Esau's birthright. He conspired with his mother to steal the blessing from his blind father. He enriched himself at his father-in-law's expense. I'm trying to imagine what was running through Jacob's mind when he laid down to sleep at night. How do you even sleep? And frankly, I know a lot of pastors, friends of mine, that they went where God called them to go, and their immediate goal was to build buildings and fill the the seats with people. And maybe they even got that done, but a lot of times they leave a wake of destruction behind them, and their souls are hollowed out from the inside because they attempted to do God's work by their hand, by their ability. You see, they thought becoming a pastor would make them honorable. Can I tell you there is no honor at all in being a pastor? In fact, there's no honor in any job. The only honor that's ever accorded us is by being transformed by the power of God. That's where honor comes from. Let me also say that you and I have all seen some really, really good people turn mean. And they start out well. They mean well, but they want what they want. And so they hurt people on the way to trying to get what they want. And they can't even imagine why their loved ones are offended. Joseph was honorable. He told the truth every time. Even when he knew it would probably cost him prison, he told the truth. And that's why Pharaoh said, wow, something different about this kid. You can't control what you can't control. And listen, graduates, the dream's not the problem. Dreams are great. Have a dream. The problem is the means for achieving that dream. What are you willing to do? What price are you willing to pay? Another striking contrast between Jacob and Joseph is having the blessing versus being the blessing. And it really all comes down to motivation. Why do you want what you want? That's such a hard question to answer. Really, why do you want what you want? When God laid out his plan to Abraham, watch what God said. This is Genesis 12. I'll make you into a great nature... Why God? I'll bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Verse three: I'll bless you and bless you, and curse. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed for, through you. So see, listen. The prize is not material blessing. The reward for trusting God is partnership, that place of of honor with God. Aside God. Hand in hand with God. Jacob never understood this. Joseph never forgot it. One struggled his entire life trying to wrestle the blessing away from others. The other spent his entire life, spent himself trying to be a blessing to others, wherever it was that God put him, even in jail, even in slavery. Now, Here's a little reminder, graduates, and and it's a reminder because you already know this, but I'm going to remind you once again. Everything here is. Is temporary capital E everything is temporary at this exciting heady time in your life um, you're, you're trying to decide what to do and everybody's telling you what to do and you got a thousand voices telling you what you need and let's just be honest let's be real for a minute you need a little taste of success You've worked really, really hard. You've had your nose to the grindstone. You've denied yourself. And the truth is, everybody you love, especially those that paid your way, those that supported you, they want to see you do well. They want to see some accomplishment. They want to see you make your mark on society, and they can't wait to celebrate with you. Here's the problem with that. In this culture, we measure success incorrectly. Your heart which, by the way, Jeremiah 19 says, deceitful in all things, above all things. Your heart wants status. Your heart wants recognition. Your heart wants accolades. Your heart wants affirmation. Your heart wants an Audi convertible. And nothing wrong with all those things. That's all good stuff. Here's the problem. Those things have nothing to do with success. This is, this is the stark difference between Jacob and Joseph and let me just let me just share with you the question that every graduate every Christian graduate of all time has asked and it's this can't I be a blessing and still have a little blessing for myself isn't it okay to be used by God and still enjoy some success well it depends on your definition of blessing are you planning to make it on your own Or are you planning to trust the Lord and be content with whatever He provides for you? said all that to say this. When a Christ follower gets older and hopefully wiser, it's not always the case. Usually it's the case when we get older. I'm thinking like right now about my mom and the conversations I have with Shotgun and so many older. When a Christ follower gets older, their focus gets narrower. And a lot of the things that were really important to them earlier in life are just not so important anymore. And and this is another thing that we say that you can't possibly hear, but yet we say it anyway to our graduates. And it's this. Don't wait to do the important things. You need to be deciding right now how you're going to end up. An example, I was going to say a good example, but it's not really a good example, but you've all read the thing where if a graduate, graduate A starts saving $100 a month, investing $100 a month, and at retirement they're going to have a million dollars. Graduate B, oh, at age 25, start investing $100 a month at age 25, when you retire, you have a million dollars. Graduate B starts investing $100 a month at age 35, they have half a million at retirement. Just 10 years. Now, the reason I say that investment's not a good thing to use is because how much money you have in retirement doesn't matter at all. Because God said He'd take care of all that. The bigger matter is, are you are you resting in the faithfulness of God? That's what matters. And see, I know that you believe in the faithfulness of God. But the question is, are you living in, walking in, resting in, relying on the faithfulness of God? He said. That he's the beginning and the end. He's already there. He's already got this all worked out, right? So you know that. Are you resting in that? Joseph's story is just stunning to me. I've gotten behind. I'm thinking about at the very end of his life, after having gone through everything he went through, can you imagine that moment when his brothers starving the brothers that sold him into slavery come crawling on their bellies, begging for food, and a little revenge would have been so sweet. Would have been so good. All of us would have given Joseph a break if he'd. A... But what Joseph said, guys. God used you, to put me here, and now God is using me because God used you. You intended to harm me. God intended it all for good. Now you're going to face all kinds of adventure in the coming days, some exciting and fulfilling, and frankly, some tragic and disastrous. All of it allowed by God, all of it, part of God's plan to make you into what he intended you to be. Because God's ultimate intention is not to get you to the right social standing. God doesn't care about getting you in the right place God wants to mold you into someone who will trust him completely because he's got you. He's sovereign and he loves you. He's got you. He's looking for somebody they can really bless. I mean, really, really bless. You can't control what you can't control. My grandma Elsie collected green stamps. Anybody remember green stamps? This is my mom's mom. And in case you don't know, in case you're a minor... Green stamps were the credit card reward points before there were credit card reward points. If you went to a grocery store or a gas station or a department store, they would give you these green stamps based on how much you spent. And I remember when I was a little kid, they had these big plastic dispensers with the dials and they ring up your purchase and then they and these stamps would this tape would come out of this machine. And you could take these stamps and put them in the books. And, and then and some of them also, they had the, like, if you spent a lot of money, there were the 10 stamps. And those were especially good because you, didn't have to, you only had to fill one line of the book. But for the little ones, you had to fill the whole page of the book. And man, it was hard. And then you take these books to the catalog redemption center and you could get a fabulous pair of cufflinks <laughs> or a toaster, something like that. So when we went over to Grandma Elsie's house, she would pull out this eternal stream of green stamps they're all connected 11 million green stamps all connected and we would have to pull them apart and lick them and put them in the book (laughs) and make these books and I I think it was fun I can't remember why I thought that but if, if you think this is a little ridiculous listen in the 60s there were three times more green stamps issued than postage stamps it's a big deal Randy, is there a point to this stupid story? Maybe. <laughs> Since this merger thing has become real, I've had people say some very hurtful things to me. And in my mind, I say, it's okay. And I'll lick a stamp and put it in the book. Then we make the decision to close the daycare. And I knew that I'd have a lot of parents mad at me and I knew that I would have staff members that were upset and that was expected. But I've also had a lot of friends say hurtful things to me and that wasn't expected. Still, I'm saying it's okay. They don't have the whole story. And besides, God is working on me. God's molding me. So I lick another stamp and put it in the book. Little hurts. It's minor offenses. It's no big deal. It's fine. And then one day, my wife comes home from work, and someone has treated her terribly. And I know that she came out of retirement because she loves kids, and she wanted to help, and someone treats her really badly. Or the air conditioning of my house goes out, which happened this past week. And I have to use the money that I'd saved for vacation to put an air conditioner on my house. And I blow up. And I begin to rage at God. And I say, wait a minute. This isn't fair. You promised to bless me. Didn't you see what I did for you? Haven't you seen how hard I worked for you? And you know what I did? You know what that is? I cashed in my book. Or, sometimes... When something bad happens, I let that emotion flow over on people close to me or people that I love who didn't deserve that at all. But my frustration overflows and I'm cashing in my book. And here's the problem all the time I thought I was trusting God, when now the evidence says I was trying to handle things on my own, I was defining blessings on my terms. Now, graduates, I close with this. No, really, I swear, I close with this. Your life is going to be amazing. Amazing! And your life is going to be hard. And today, with all of it in front of you, you're wondering if it's going to be more amazing or more hard. Let me just tell you, because I love you, let me tell you, whether your life is amazing or hard, it really doesn't matter. In the big scheme of things, it doesn't matter. In the book of Revelation, the the apostle John paints this vivid picture of the end of time. When all of us, all the redeemed, all the church is standing around the throne of God. And the Bible says in Revelation 7.10, we're screaming with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And in that incredible scene, a billion angels suddenly fall on their faces. Think about this. When the church begins to shout glory to God, the angels fall on their faces and sing, amen. In other words, yeah, what they said. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever and amen. And here's what I want you to see, graduates. Not a single advanced degree in that whole group. Nobody there has one of those cool honor stoles or strings. What are the strings? What are those about? Cords. Cord. None of the cords. There's no cords there. And in fact, nowhere in that narrative is anybody's accomplishments listed. <laughs> On that day, no one cares how much money Anybody had. No one cares how hard anybody worked. They're all exactly the same. When it comes time ultimately for rewards to be handed out, only one thing is celebrated, salvation. And there's only one source for salvation, our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't control what you can't control. But God can. Is that okay with you? Father, we love these precious children who have accomplished so much. They're so precious and we love them so much. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name where we have failed in being the examples that they need to be, where we have given advice that maybe was not the best advice. And when we did our best to preach sermons that matter and we fell on our faces, we just pray right now for sufficient grace to make up the difference. Because as much as we love these young people, God, you love them more. As much as their parents love them, you love them more. And the Bible tells us that from the beginning of time, when they were knit together in their mother's womb, you had this incredible, awesome plan for their lives. And right now they're walking that out. And we're so grateful. Covenant Life Assembly is so grateful that we got to have a hand on that. We got to play a part in that. But right now, Father, we release them to your care knowing that you are absolutely sovereign you are wise you're all powerful and most importantly you're completely good and the plan that you have for them is good so father we come together to celebrate their accomplishments we come together to celebrate what they're going to accomplish and most important we celebrate salvation what you have already accomplished on the cross of calvary and we give you honor and glory and praise for that in jesus name